you know, I've been reflecting on this whole process of getting this video ready, of recording this uh, meeting for worship, if you will. I'm able to edit. I'm able to start over. I script it out a little bit just so I know what the flow is and, and where everything comes in. And, uh, and then we give it to Mike Shaw, and Mike works his wonderful edit- editorial gifts with it and, and just brings everything together and makes it look good. But I realize that life doesn't always work that way. We would have never thought back on mid-March, at least March 15th, that this would be the script we're living now. Again, I can take this video and we can edit and Mike Shaw takes all the imperfections out and makes it look like we know what we're doing, but life really isn't that way. I wish it was. And right now, many of you are living a script or are living a narrative that you didn't plan on and you certainly would not have written. There are days, probably every day, And quite honestly, if I could edit out all of these bloopers and edit out all of these um, hard places, I would. I would love, I would love just to give everything a happy ending. But even I realize that that isn't the case, and even I realize that's not within my power. So we're all quickly learning, and what we already may have figured out is this isn't how life works. There's so much of life I would like to leave on the proverbial editing floor. We end up living the narrative as it comes to us. We end up living this narrative as, as we receive it. We end up living this life as it unfolds before us, which is why hope becomes so important, at least as I understand it, and living out what I have come to understand as the fruits of hope. In her book, Scarred by Struggle, Transformed by Hope, author Joanne Chidister has this wonderful description of hope in contrast to despair. This is what she writes, quote, The only difference between hope and despair is that despair shapes an attitude of mind. Hope creates a quality of soul. That's a really, really important point that she makes there. Despair shapes an attitude of mind. Hope creates a quality of soul. And then she goes on to write, despair colors the way we look at things, makes us suspicious of the future, makes us negative about the present. And most of all, despair leads us to ignore the very possibilities that could save us, or worse, leads us to want to hurt as we have been hurt ourselves. Hope, on the other hand, takes life on its own terms, knows that whatever happens, God lives in it and expects that whatever its twists and its turns, it will ultimately yield its good to those who live it consciously, to those who live it to the hilt. It's almost like she's giving her own paraphrase or her own understanding of Romans 8. Now, as I've been on this journey through this season, one of my growing edges, as I like to call it, has been, well, quite honestly, to grow my soul. A few weeks ago, I was tossing around this phrase, and I know it sounds a little overly simplistic, but it just worked for me. And this phrase simply goes this way, if I have to go through this, I might as well grow through this. Or I could put it this way, if we have to go through this, we might as well grow through this. And I guess what I really was trying to say to myself and what I've tried to communicate to others is that I want to come through this with a quality of soul, as our writer puts it. 
a quality of soul that speaks to my intention to grow, to develop, to live into how God intends me to be. There's not much I can do to control the future, not much that any of us can do to control the future, but there's probably much we can do to pay attention to the present, to our own lives, to my life, to our our own responses, and to my responses. I read this passage from Romans chapter 8 that Paul wrote in his epistle to the Christians at Rome. And for Paul, there is this hope that wherever we are going, though in the present, it, that whatever struggle we're experiencing, it doesn't compare to the transformation or the quality of soul that is taking place within us. Let me read again Paul's words. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. Again, whatever struggle, whatever hardship we may be experiencing, Paul says it is simply doesn't compare to this, this transformation, this glory, this, this sense of becoming in our own souls that God has for us. And then Paul writes that the whole creation is groaning as in labor pains. Again, here are Paul's words. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. We groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. It's as if Paul is telling us that God is trying to birth something new in this world. God is trying to bring something new into this world through us, through his grace and through his mercy. But it's hard work. It's hard labor. And in this hard labor and in this hard work, there is groaning and there is struggle. And we often hear that groaning and struggle today as we live. We may be the ones groaning and struggling ourselves. Uh, The groaning of isolation, uh, the groaning of sadness, uh, the groaning of anxiousness and fear, uh, the groaning of stress, the groaning of exhaustion, uh, the groaning of not knowing what the future holds. Uh, For some, it may be the groaning of being out of work or, or, or furloughed. But for all of us, and maybe even our own creation, we feel it's groaning. All over the world, there's this groaning because it's, it's sick and it's ill, and it's struggling with this virus. But with this groaning and with this struggling, we get the sense that Paul does not give up hope. We get the sense that what Paul is saying is that whatever is happening now in, in us and around us and about us, whatever is taking place does not compare with what God is doing to bring transformation and recreation and what God can do within us and for us and for our world through God's grace and through God's love. And is to recreate us in a way, is to reshape us in a way and to transform us in a way that we will and can grow through this. But the real key to this is hope. And so Paul writes this, For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And for Paul, salvation is about wholeness. It's about transformation of ourself and our world. It's about becoming more and more of the creation and persons that God intended. And our hope is that God is at work within us and within our world to recreate us into who we need to become. And even though we can't see it, we wait for it. And this is where patience is needed. 
I think one of the tensions I have tried to live within and one of the fruits I've sought to cultivate in my own life is that of patience that arises out of hope. Or if I could put it this way, how do I practice hope? What does it look like to practice hope every day? Well, one of the ways that I have come to realize that I can practice hope is to become a patient person, or is at least allow God's transforming grace and love, as Paul talks about, to develop patience within me. Henry Nouwen, um, in one of his books, writes this about patience and hope. Quote, in the gospel, to have patience means to stay fully where you are, to live the moment to the full, to trust that all that you need is where you are. Patience means to remain close to the moment and to fully taste where you are so that the seeds that are sown in the moment can grow and lead you into the future. Our world is presently in the process of healing and probably in ways that we can't see, but it's in the process of healing. And because of that, hope is needed to give us patience to be present in all of it. So I give you three invitations to patience this morning as we think about how hope can be practiced in our life. And the first is this, to be patient with life. Again, no one really probably wants to hear this, but neither do I, but this is all a process. Healing is a process. When we're sick or when we're ill or when we have a wound, it doesn't heal overnight. It doesn't heal sometimes uh, the next day or two days later or even the next week. Healing is a process, and it takes time. It takes time for us to rest. It takes time for us to slow down. We have to give it time to heal. And our world is presently in a healing process. It's presently seeking to be healed. And there are many good people working at it. There are many good people working for it. And there are many good minds and hearts and groups that are trying to make this happen. All of this under, um, under uh, uh, the shadow of God's grace and God's love and God's mercy. But one of the ways that I've tried to be patient is to be patient with life and to realize that this really is simply an unfolding. This really is a healing process. As a meeting, we have our own decisions to make and to seek a way forward. And I would invite you to be patient with us and the meeting as a whole as we discern how we do life together over the next few weeks and over the next few months. It seems like uh, the best information we have is almost day-to-day, week-to-week. Um, so as we are patient with life, um, be patient with this process. This is not a script or a narrative we would have written, but it's the one we're in. And hope-inspired patience enables us to live one day at a time, one moment at a time. And life, um, life may not be unfolding the way we intended it right now, but what we know is God is right there in the unfolding and that God will guide us through it. And that's the promise, and that's the hope. So along with being patient with life in this healing process, um, I would invite us and myself to be patient with others. This includes friends, family members, co-workers, anyone you may have regular contact with. We're all processing this, processing this in different ways. And being patient with others is offering them that gift of space to process it in the way that they need to work through it, in the way they need to deal with it. Some folks are trying to manage their emotions and dealing with loss and everything that comes with feeling isolated. And some folks are dealing with the fact that they have lost work and they have lost jobs. Some people are just tired. We may lash out at one another 
We may lose our patience faster than we usually do. We may get irritated a lot quicker. We may say things we later regret, but I believe we're invited to be as patient with one another as possible as God's Spirit cultivates the fruit of patience in our life. It's really hard to know what a person's story is. And right now, because we're so disconnected in this way, it's really hard to know what each other is going through day to day, week to week. And oftentimes, what we get on the surface is not what's happening below the surface. And being patient with one another through this whole time as we're patient with life is simply offering people the space and sometimes honoring their um, own speed to work through this and to live into this and to allow them to work through what they need to work through as we go through this season. So let's be patient with life. Let's be patient with others. And then I would offer just as a last invitation is to be patient with ourselves. We pile up a lot of expectations on ourselves about how we should be or how we're supposed to be or what we're supposed to do. And when we don't measure up to our own self-expectations or the perceived expectations of others, we beat ourselves up or we get impatient with ourselves. So the first person that we could probably be extra patient with is ourselves. We're truly, truly trying our best. Maybe we find ourselves with wide mood swings or maybe we're up one day and then down the next And maybe we're energized one day and we're tired the next. Or maybe we're focused one day and then we're completely unfocused the next. Or maybe we're upbeat one day and sad the next. Maybe we're patient with our own grief one day and then the next day we are telling ourselves we need to get over it. I think the simple invitation is really just to be patient with ourselves. And to know that within this this grace of hope that God gives us, within this gift of hope that God gives us, God gives us the space and the room to be patient because really what God is reminding us that God is in this present. God is in this now. And as God is in this present and as God is in this now, God is also in the future. And God invites us to be patient with life, to be patient with this process, to be patient with one another, to be patient with ourselves. And that's where trust enters into this spiritual journey to trust that God is good and to trust that God has our best interest at heart, and to trust that God is working on our behalf. Henry Nouwen, uh, again, wonderful writer uh, on the spiritual life, offers these words, quote, Hope is not dependent on peace in the land, justice in the world, and success in business. Hope is willing to leave unanswered questions unanswered, and unknown futures unknown. Hope makes you see God's guiding hand not only in the gentle and pleasant moments, but also in the shadows of disappointment and darkness. You know, when I started putting this message together in my head, in my heart, and I put it down on paper, there was a phrase that kept coming back to me, and I kept asking myself, how is the person on the other side of this screen going to hear this message? And a couple things came to mind. And the first was this. Well, hope is all fine and good, but it doesn't pay the bills. And on that one, I would have to say, yeah, you're right. It doesn't pay the bills. And what that tells me is that reminds me that there are some people in a very, very, very tough place right now in a very hard place. And I don't want these words of hope to seem superficial or shallow 
or to simply say, uh, listen, just buck it up and move on. It's going to be okay. Because it can be very hard right now. And I want to validate that. And I want to say that I see that and I hear that. But the other piece that I hear is that we can't let our souls give into despair. We can't let our souls give into fatalism. We can't let our souls give into cynicism because fatalism and cynicism and despair are three really, really, really hard pits to dig ourselves out of. In fact, they're really like quicksand. It's really, really hard to get out of. That if we can keep the faith, as they say, is if we can maintain hope. And all we have to do is just one day at a time. If we can do that, we can live in the present and we can live in the now and we can just say, I just have this day and I'll live into this day with hope. And as I live into it with hope, what I will do is I will be as patient as God's Spirit graces me with, to be patient with life. I will be as patient as God's grace um, uh, guides me to be patient with others. And, and I will be as patient as I can as God graces me to be patient with myself. We've never done this before. This is all new uh, territory for us. Um, but as we know that God is in this with us, I trust and pray that hope will be instilled in your heart and in your soul, and that as we live out that hope, we'll simply practice patience to live into it. And Romans 8.28 says, We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. And realize that Paul doesn't write, we know that all things are good, because not all things are good. Not all things are easy. Not all things are well. What Paul writes is we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are, who are called according to God's purposes. I believe that God is working on our behalf. I believe that God is working for our good. I believe that God is working for your good. So I will pray that hope will be instilled in your heart. I will pray that we will be a community, a faith community of hope. And I will pray that we will all, all cultivate this fruit of patience with life, with one another, and with ourselves. I'd like to offer us a prayer. Loving God, be with those right now that just simply are pressing life. Because this is hard and this is tough. Help them, help us to rest in your love to rest in your grace, to rest in your promises, to know that you are working because of your love for our good, on our behalf, for what's best for our creation and for our lives. And you invite us to partner with you in that, to do what we need to do to help heal our world, to help heal our communities. So help us to do that. Give us the patience to do it for the long haul and help us all to be people of hope to hold this light in this world, to move away from those places of cynicism and, and, and fatalism, to move away from those places in which we say this is as good as it gets. And we're able to say in our heart and in our soul and with our lives that our best days are ahead. Help us to live with hope. We ask all this in your name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, it's been good to be with you again. Um, 
continue to say how much I miss you, continue to say how much I love you, and continue to say that I can't wait for us to be together again. But until then, we live with hope. Until then, we live with patience. Until then, we simply let life unfold as it needs to unfold, as God unfolds it for us. And in the meantime, we love one another, we pray for one another, and we encourage one another. And let's continue to reach out for each other and to each other and take care of one another. God bless.